The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody. This is the uh, third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And this hour, we're going to talk with a professor of pulmonary and critical care medicine at Mount Sinai Medical School about uh, a recent update to his book. He's written many books, but... Uh, the recently updated uh, The Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu, which has uh, now a comprehensive chapter on the prevention, treatment, and recovery from COVID-19. His name is uh, Dr. Neil Schachter, or some people refer to him as Dr. Neil. Um, if he doesn't mind, I'm going to call him Neil. He joins me now by phone. Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Uh, thank you, Tom, for inviting me. And I hope it's okay if I call you Neil. I hope it's okay if I call you Tom. It, it works out great, because that is okay. my name. Um, but when did you realize that that this book that, that's been out for, I'm, I'm not even sure how long it's been out. Um, it's, um, when, it's been when, out over uh, over 10 years now. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, and, and when did you decide, wait a minute, we've got to pull out this book and, and add this chapter? Well... <laughs> That's almost uh, a no-brainer. As soon as the uh, the pandemic uh, became a reality, uh, it was clear that people needed sort of a basic uh, understanding of uh, infections, uh, particularly infections of the respiratory tract, uh, to help guide them through all the information and misinformation that's uh, currently bouncing around the Internet and uh, various other... Uh, um, media has because of covid and some of the steps that people have taken 
um, to protect themselves from COVID-19. Has it reduced uh, the impact of, of the cold and flu season at all? Uh, well, there is some evidence uh, that uh, people are getting less cold. Certainly, uh, the flu, influenza, is at historically low, uh, low numbers uh, this year. So, obviously, what we're doing uh, is an effective uh, uh, method for reducing uh, the infectiousness of a lot of these viruses, uh, how successful it is. Uh, in reducing COVID, which uh, uh, has uh, exceeded expectations in its uh, infectiveness, uh, remains to be seen. We, ha we have some evidence that the non-pharmacologic, uh, non-vaccine uh, methods that have been used are effective in reducing the infectivity. But it, it's some, somewhat harder to tell with this particular virus uh, because there is a uh, relatively long period in which it incubates, but it uh, can be infective during that period. How is, now COVID-19 is a coronavirus. Right. The common cold is a coronavirus. Uh, for the most part, yes. And, and are, are most flus as well coronaviruses, and, and what's the difference? Well, the, the coronavirus is named for the particular uh, picture that we see under the electron microscope uh, of this virus. It has little spikes, or what appear to be little spikes, coming off the surface uh, of the virus. Uh, and those uh, spikes are what allow the virus to penetrate uh, the various cells in our body. So the, the configuration sort of looks like a crown around the virus, and corona uh, in Latin languages is uh, another term for crown. Now that the vaccine is coming out, um, is, is there any concern about whether or not it will be effective for the variants that are starting to develop from COVID-19? Well, there, there's, there's always concern. I mean, with uh, influenza, for example, every year we need to prepare a new vaccine because the virus changes from year to year. Um, there is some there, there's definite evidence now that there have been changes in the virus which have appeared uh, in many countries, um, and uh, these are successful from the virus's point of view in that they allow uh, the virus to infect people more readily. Uh, so there is concern, but so far, uh, from what we can tell, at least in the laboratory, uh, is that the current vaccines uh, appear to generate uh, immunity that uh, is effective against many of these variants, or at least the variants that we can find now uh, uh, at present. Now, you talk about in this uh, new update um, 
for the Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu, uh, the section on COVID-19, that there are supplements that can reduce the risk of COVID. Um, what are those things that we can be doing to protect ourselves? Well, first of all, first of all let me say that uh, the most important things that we can be doing at this point in time is, number one, getting vaccinated, and number two, continuing to observe uh, social distancing with masks and um, whatever uh, closures uh, appear to be effective. Now, over, over and above that, there are a number of uh, uh, non-specific agents uh, that have been looked at and that, you know, in some, uh, in some articles that have been published appear to have some uh, effectiveness against uh, uh, the coronavirus uh, specifically and more generally against uh, viral infections uh, overall. Uh, for many years, zinc, uh, has, uh, zinc supplements have been touted as uh, being helpful in uh, reducing the replication uh, of viruses. Uh, they're easy to use. They have relatively little uh, in the way of side effects, uh, and they may have some preventive uh, uh, benefit uh, in uh, keeping the virus uh, under better control. Vitamin C has been used to um, uh, improve the, uh, uh, the effectiveness of the uh, immune system, as has been uh, uh, vitamin D, um, which um, is uh, import, an important uh, vitamin in the um, in the immune system. Uh, over and above that, uh, there have been some other sort of uh, interesting uh, articles, but uh, as yet, uh, I, I wouldn't say they rise to the to the level of uh, penicillin uh, against uh, the virus. But there are certainly things that uh, that need to be explored. Uh, pepsid, uh, famotidine, uh, which is a, uh, an anti-acid um, uh, medication, has been suggested as uh, useful in the treatment of, um, of the coronavirus. Um, uh, melatonin, uh, the, uh, the sleep aid, uh, has also uh, been um, uh, suggested as effective. And uh, more recently, uh, the um, the medication for um, uh, uh, diabetes, um, a medication for diabetes, has been um, uh, suggested as a possible um, helpful agent in the treatment of COVID virus. But at this point, uh, you know, uh, these are relatively uh, benign medications um, perhaps not so much uh, the uh, the diabetes medicine but uh, they're they're medicines that are taken by millions of people um, but we've been we've been fooled in the past uh, I mean we've seen uh, uh, an antibiotic azithromycin sort of falling uh, by the wayside uh, and of course um, the uh, anti-malarial um, which uh, has uh, has fallen uh, quite low in the estimation of the medical community. So uh, let the buyer beware. 
How do you, how does somebody know if they've gotten the COVID? How do you tell it from, you know, say the, the, the flu or like me, like a lot of Americans, you know, every time I cough, I think, oh no, it's the COVID. Um, but, but how do you, how do you know? When do you know that it's maybe time to call 911? Well, Calling 911 uh, is certainly not the first thing uh, you should do uh, when you suspect that you may have it. Uh, first of all, uh, if you've been exposed to someone uh, who has uh, COVID, uh, there is a chance that you may develop it. It's not uh, a certainty, but there is a chance. And so um, you can be proactive by seeking um, one of the uh, the uh, uh, identification um, uh, modalities, the uh, the swab test, the PCR test, or the antigen test, uh, which uh, locates the virus in the nasal cavity or in uh, respiratory secretions like sputum um, or uh, saliva. However, uh, you have to be aware that there is an incubation period in which uh, the virus may not be uh, present in large enough numbers or present in the areas uh, tested uh, that uh, the test may come out uh, pos- negative. Uh, and so uh, if you've been um, uh, in the presence of somebody who has uh, COVID, uh, you should uh, wait at least four to seven days before seeking to uh, uh, t- to test yourself. Uh, on the other hand, if you are starting to have symptoms, whether you've been exposed or not exposed, and there is a whole litany, a whole list of symptoms uh, that are associated with the coronavirus, then uh, you have to think, well, maybe this is the beginning. And uh, everybody is aware that fever, chills, a sore throat, a dry cough, body aches, sneezing, stuffy nose uh, are um, uh, maybe signs of uh, the uh, uh, the coronavirus, but they may also be signs of other uh, viral infections, much less serious. Uh, however, if uh, your temperature is 101 or higher, um, if the symptoms are those of a bad to mo- a moderate to bad flu. Um, if you have severe headaches, uh, if you have painful coughing, uh, if you have nausea and diarrhea, um, those are things that uh, make it more likely that this is a more severe infection and that uh, COVID may be uh, at play here. There's also uh, more a more specific uh, set of symptoms, loss of the sense of smell and the loss of the sense of taste, which seems to be more specific for the invasion of the um, coronavirus of the nervous system. So uh, if, if that uh, should happen, that certainly should be a trigger to having you uh, uh, seek uh, a, um, a test 
for the presence of coronavirus. Neil, I have to put a comma here. I have to go to a short break. Can sure. you stick around for a few minutes so Absolutely. we can talk some more? Excellent. I'm here. My guest is Dr. Neil Schachter from Mount Sinai Medical School and author of The Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu with a new chapter on COVID-19. If you're listening to us on 92.1, we're going to let them squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with Dr. Neil Schachter from the uh, Mount Sinai Medical School. He's the author of The Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu, which has been out for a while, but has a new chapter to uh, make it current and include the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we're all living through. Neil, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to my next trip to uh, to Michigan. Um, one of the things uh, in in my notes um, that I wanted to talk about is is how the new vaccines work that we're hearing so much about. Um, is it consistent with my limited understanding of? Um, it gives you a little touch of the disease, so you build up antibodies and then can fight off the disease if you become exposed to it, or do they work differently now? Well, I, I, I want to, the language is so important. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody understands that uh, the vaccine does not give you the disease. Um, the vaccine uh, takes, the, the current vaccines um, uh, are what we call uh, uh, mRNA uh, vaccines. What that means is they take a little snippet of the um, uh, virus's uh, genetic material, the RNA, which is what uh, the, um, the uh, virus uses to build new viruses once it infects your cells. It takes the specific uh, part of the uh, genetic material that codes for the um, uh, the spike protein, the, that uh, uh, part of the virus which makes the virus so infectious to our cells, and uh, that uh, that piece of genetic material is wrapped up in a special. Uh, product of a lipid layer and injected uh, into you, and that uh, piece of genetic material uh, influences your cells to make uh, the part of the virus that makes up the uh, spike protein, so that your body will react uh, in an immune way to that spike protein. It does not inject anything in you that can create a virus. It does not uh, inject anything uh, in you that will uh, create the, the illness. On the other hand, like with other vaccines, it may have some local side effects like pain at the injection site, uh, some fever, which is usually a sign that the body is reacting uh, to, the, uh, to the genetic material. But um, again, I want to emphasize that it does not give you 
the uh, uh, the infection. Uh, you do not become infectious as a result of uh, being injected, and you do not go on to develop uh, the uh, the disease uh, SARS or COVID nineteen. Um, the other thing that I want to emphasize is that uh, this uh, mRNA does not get into the uh, genetic your genetic material, so that it it won't influence the uh, the future uh, of your of your body or your progeny, um, and so uh, it is, as far as we can tell, uh, a safe vaccine. Uh, the the number of severe uh, reactions, anaphylactic reactions that have been out there uh, are on the order of one in a hundred thousand. Uh, and uh, screening and uh, proper um, uh, uh, surveillance of the individual after, for 30 minutes after they've been injected uh, usually uh, prevents any serious uh, complication. From the vaccine now, I, I uh, localized tenderness, uh, fever, uh, aches and pains that may accompany the uh, the vaccine, but uh, you're not going to get sick from the virus, uh, and you're not going to get a uh, a terrible reaction. A lot of a lot of the news surrounding the development of uh, the various vaccines, and I think we're about to have a third one uh, right. introduced into the into the mix, if you will. But um, a lot of the news surrounding it has been how quickly it was developed. This whole notion of warp speed and and all of that sort of thing. But don't we? kind of routinely turn vaccines around pretty fast with uh, variations on the flu every year? Well, uh, yes. Uh, the uh, the standard flu vaccine uh, is uh, re, uh, repackaged every year to meet what we feel is the most likely uh, uh, flu um, type that will uh appear in that year. However, uh, if, the, if there were no flu vaccine, if it had to be done from scratch, and we were 20 years ago, uh, it would take eight or nine years before the FDA would approve it, because uh, it would have to go through um, extensive testing first uh, in, uh, in vitro, that's to say outside of the human body, then in the human body to make sure it doesn't hurt or kill you, and then thirdly, to show that it's effective. Uh, now, uh, because we've come such a long way and we are now able to manufacture these specific genetic materials, um, it's been incredible at how fast uh, this uh, process has been uh, short-circuited, but that doesn't mean that... Uh, it has uh, anything has been left to chance, and so far uh, the um, the upshot has been uh, that there have been no bad consequences from uh, the uh, from the use of this vaccine. Yeah, I, d- I didn't want to, although I I think I probably did uh, inadvertently um, 
give the impression that that somehow corners were cut in the process of of getting the vaccines out quickly but i i I was trying to make the point that maybe we're getting better at researching these things and developing things that will counter them over time and and that um I, I guess I'm just trying to see if it really was as miraculous as as we've been told that that it turned around so quickly. Well, uh, yeah, I mean it uh, it was a uh, a, a feat uh, that uh, you know does not get reproduced for other medications or or vaccines uh, that don't have the urgency. Uh, that this did. Um, and uh, just to give you an idea, before uh, it hit, uh, you know, uh, the market, I, <laughs> I hate to use that term, but before it, uh, st- it started being used uh, in the general population, 70,000 people had been enrolled in, over 70,000 people had been enrolled in clinical trials, uh, and the uh, effectiveness of the vaccine uh, of these two vaccines that are now currently available uh, had been um, uh, demonstrated. Uh, and, uh, you know, within the the limits of 70,000 people, the number of uh, uh, side effects had been quantified. And the, the, the major one, which is the anaphylaxis, had been identified and um, had um, um, and uh, uh, we uh, we screen for uh, that sort of thing before uh, a person receives their 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 shots. Uh, now uh, we do require at this point two shots uh, of the current vaccines, um, three weeks apart, and the reason for that is that the initial shot uh, confers about thirty to fifty percent. Uh, uh, effective immunity, where uh, as far as we can tell, as and the uh, second shot boosts that to up to 90 to 95 percent immunity. So uh, it's important to get that second shot to make sure that, uh, to the best of our ability, uh, you're not going to get sick. Can Can you explain um, a little? more about how the the second shot boosts the first shot it 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 almost sounds like and and this is one of those things you have to be really careful about that if some is good more is better well uh <laughs> it it's not uh, you know we don't uh, we don't give huge amounts uh, at each time of course uh this is a this is a very small um uh, amount of fluid that gets injected and uh, an even smaller amount of uh, actual uh, material that gets infected, inf- uh, injected. But um, the, the, initial, um, the initial injection uh, triggers a, um, uh, an immune response. In other words, your body starts making antibodies and various other cells that are involved in the uh, immune response start uh, to be activated. Now, uh, the thing with these mRNA uh, vaccines is that mRNA, uh, the the genetic material from the virus, is a very fragile uh, compound, and it 
deteriorates rapidly so that the effect of the vaccine doesn't stick around for a long time. And that's what you need to promote an effective uh, and complete response of your immune system. So that second shot uh, uh, reintroduces the mRNA, which depletes itself by deteriorating and uh, causes the, uh, the immune response to go to completion. Uh, this, this, this would happen if you were infected because the virus continues to be present in your body for long periods of time. It reproduces, and therefore there's more and more antigen that is formed, and it sticks around long enough uh, for an immune response to occur. Unfortunately, uh, many other things happen, uh, and uh, the virus itself causes uh, severe disease. Now, you and and all the other health professionals that I've talked to and heard um, talk about the benefits of of wearing a face mask and social uh, distancing. Um, is is the six foot enough? I've heard varying comments on that. Or or is it six foot if you are also wearing a mask? Well, uh, so. All these mitigating um, uh, devices, these non-pharmacal, non-medical medicine uh, methods for uh, preventing uh, the infection, uh, are effective in the sense that they reduce uh, the infectiousness of uh, the disease. We we have this number, uh, which uh, is a little bit complicated to understand completely, but basically it tells us the infectiveness of the, uh, of the virus. We call it R0 or R with a little zero uh, at the bottom of it. And it, it represents how many people a person who is infected with um, uh, the virus can, spre- uh, can spread uh, the virus to in the course of their disease. And for the coronavirus, uh, that number is felt to be overall between two and three. Now, there are some people uh, who are called super spreaders in whom uh, that number can go up to uh, 20 or even beyond. Uh, and there are other people who are much less infectious for, reason, for reasons that are not totally understood. But the average is about two to three. And um, when we look at the, inf- the effectiveness uh, of the, uh, these mitigating uh, methods, uh, the mask, the six foot apart, the closing of various uh, uh, places where people congregate, restaurants, uh, schools, and the like, uh, we, we find that depending on how uh, strictly that's adhered to, the, the effect can be to reduce that number by about 25 to 50 percent. Now, the importance of that is that if the number of uh, the, that number R falls below one, that means that uh, for every person that's infected, less than one person will subsequently be infected. And if that's the case, uh, then the disease dies out. On the other hand, if it's greater than one, 
then it multiplies exp- it it increases exponentially 2 4 8 16 32 and so on uh if 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 it's uh if the uh uh infection factor is 2 if it's 3 it goes 8 uh, 64 and uh uh much much faster so uh keeping that number down by uh these uh non pharmaceutical methods uh is uh has been uh important in mitigating uh the spread of the disease but as as you realize um the uh application of that has not been uh perfect overall and it's influenced by many other things it's influenced by the conditions in which people live if they have uh, multiple families in 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 an apartment uh that's going to make uh, transmission a lot higher uh if um uh if there are people who are uh, who d- develop uh the illness and have long uh incubation periods during which they are uh infectious uh that's going to influence the spread of the disease so it's it it, it may give you an overall idea of how you're doing but it's not specific uh and that's why you see these area these areas on the map that have uh very high rates of uh, uh covid disease and then there are areas that are spared um winter is worse than summer because we're ma- mainly indoors and indoors uh air is exchanged much less frequently than it is outdoors so um, the environment also uh, plays a role here. Will vaccination get us to, and, and I, I hesitate to use this phrase because I'm not sure that I understand it as, as well as I should, um, get us to so-called herd immunity? And will we see an end to COVID-19? Or is it going to be around and, and rear its head every year the way uh, other flus do? Well, as they say, predicting the past is easy. <laughs> predicting the future is much harder. Uh, we're going to get some idea fairly soon, I believe, uh, because um, the, the, uh, the state of Israel has uh, a uh, very effective vaccination program, uh, and a large proportion of the population will be vaccinated uh, within a very short period of time, and it, that will permit us to have a much better idea of the effectiveness uh, of this concept of herd immunity uh, and the uh, uh, the prevention of the disease. Now, uh, to say that uh, uh, that will forever stifle uh, the coronavirus, uh, the coronavirus has come back three times. Um, it first uh, it reared its head uh, as the uh, Middle Eastern um, uh, Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS. Uh, it then appeared as SARS, the Severe Acute Respiratory uh, Syndrome. Um, so I don't think uh, we've seen the last of uh, the COVID virus, but hopefully uh, this will get us out of the, uh, <laughs> the disaster that we're in right now. Will masks be part of the new normal? 
uh, I think they're going to be part of the new normal for some time beyond uh, the uh, the vaccination of uh, the majority of the the population. Uh, we have to be sure that uh, everything is under control. I mean, we've we're in the second wave right now. We allowed uh, to some extent our guard to drop after the first wave. We had a great summer, uh, and we'll probably have a better summer uh, once the weather changes uh, this time. But I don't think uh, we want to be, uh, as uh, our, gov- our governor here in New York says, cocky about it. We don't want to uh, let all of our guards down um, just because everything seems to be uh, um, turning up roses. Well, and that's that's why I wonder if if this uh, new normal that people predict somewhat abstractly includes um, uh, an, a change in the way we dine out and and the wearing of face masks on uh, public transportation and and in other close quarters. If that's um, if, if we're going to be a lot more like the Japanese. Well, we want to be safe. There's no question about that. I think uh, after the um, after the kind of uh, 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 plague that we've been through, uh, there there's going to be a desire to be safe, but there's also going to be a desire to uh, relax and uh, um, get uh, get beyond this. Now, there have been plagues in the past. Uh, you know, in the in the Middle Ages, there have been plagues. And they've lasted for years. They've gone and they've come back and they've gone and come back. Eventually, they do subside because these uh, these killer plagues, um, you know, there's just so far that they can go. Once uh, once the population is uh, is reduced, uh, then uh, you know we either develop some sort of uh, immunity to it uh, and. Uh, um, get over it until the next plague. But, um, you know, uh, we have to be sure here that we get over it quickly. I mean, we don't want to have a multi-year uh, recurrence of this, uh, this COVID uh, pestilence. Much, much like we did 100 years ago with the Spanish flu. Right, right. There were, there were at least three, uh, three recurrences of the Spanish flu uh, when uh, when it seemed to get better, and then uh, it came back with a vengeance. Well, Neil, it's uh, it's a real pleasure talking with you, and I appreciate you sharing this information with us. Um, the name of the book is The Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu, and it's been updated with a uh, comprehensive chapter on the prevention, treatment, and recovery from COVID-19. And... Um, Dr. Schachter is a professor of pulmonary and critical care medicine at Mount Sinai Medical School. Neil, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. I thought I'd start with, do you have a website? Oh, yes. Uh, There's the gooddoctor1.com where we uh, put, uh, where we update the updates. Uh, And... um, let me just uh, specify that the the book uh or it's going to be an ebook at this point uh will be available after February 3rd but you can pre-order it uh on Amazon and it will be coming out in a uh uh 
hard copy edition uh, in uh, the fall. So um, I uh, would urge your uh, your listeners uh, to uh, take a look at the website and decide whether or not they want to uh, get the um, the book. Well, Neil, thanks so much for spending this time. It's been an honor and a privilege to get to know you a little bit and to talk about this important subject. It's been great talking to you. You put all the right questions up front. Take Thank care. Thank you. Hey! Take care. <laughs> this is The Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to The Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I played football for Temple University, and it's the truth, see? Don't keep asking me, did you really play? Yes, I really played. At one time, I had a beautiful body. I weighed, uh, I weighed 192 pounds, and they made me a fullback. Now, before you start tuning up, let me get my story finished. No, the truth of the matter is that uh, it didn't take much to play for Temple at the time that I was playing because we had lost 27 games in a row. And uh, we played against real weak teams. I mean, teams like uh, Muhlenberg, Lafayette, um, what's it, Gettysburg, yeah. They all beat us. They all killed us, especially Hofstra. Hofstra beat us 900 or nothing in their street clothes, man. They wiped us out. Vassar wouldn't even play us. That's how bad we were, man. Get out of here. We don't even want you on our schedule. So I'm going to give you some insight as to what goes on in a loser's locker room. We're going to play against Hofstra, which is a really terrible school. They killed us every year, boy. And when you play for a team like Temple, you got nothing to do except pace up and down in the locker room. And you say to yourself, boy, I sure do hope I don't get hurt. I almost made a tackle last week. I must have been crazy out there or something. Nobody else is trying out there. I don't know why I got to be the one all the time. I play on the second team, which is actually the nut squad. Now, these are guys that can play, but they're afraid. They don't want to go out there, so they do nutty things. Like they put the helmet on sideways, looking out through the ear hole. <laughs> guys got on scuba diving suits, snowshoe and an ice skate, you know, walking around. <laughs> second team is very quiet because they're going to go out, scared to death. That's what they are. Catholics on the squad always seem to have something special going because they're over in the corner dominant. Father, please I'm not Catholic, but I figure if it works for him, yeah, me too, Father. He's a friend of mine. He told me how to do this. Here, please accept me. I'm pacing up and down. First team's getting last rights. And we're going. The coach is drawing trick plays on the blackboard because he has no personnel whatsoever, and he knows he's got to work with something that'll trick him. You know. All right, you guys, listen up. Uh, when they come out of the huddle, line up backwards. <laughs> And just let them run right over you, and then we'll raise the flag and everything while you're singing the national anthem, all right? We'll get pity somewhere, I'll tell you that. Then comes the athletic director. He says, I'd like to talk to the boys. What? 
I'd like to talk to the boys. Okay. May I have your attention, please, fellas? This is uh, the athletic director, Mr. Ernie Cassell. It's the man that's responsible for giving most of you the scholarships. <laughs> He'd like to talk to you, Mr. Cassell. Thank you very much, Coach Macris. Well, boys, here we are again. We're going out to have another fine football game. Going to go out and play against Hofstra, because you already know that. You know, they beat us last year 900 to nothing. The year before that, they beat us 900 to nothing. I was over in their locker room, had a chance to look at some of their players, and Christ, they're bigger than they were last year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> Fellas, I looked out in the stands. We only have 12 people out there. <laughs> and this is homecoming. <laughs> Just want to say a few words to you. This is our first game on television. We want to keep this television contract going because this is the only way we can make some money to buy a little scuba diving suits and uh, snowshoes and ice skates for all the weird old squads here. <laughs> so we're gonna say to you, please, remember that you're on TV. By that I mean, don't worry about winning the game as much as we want you to be concerned with the fact that while you're out there on the field, we're gonna ask you, please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a the football field. Because if you're out there digging and scratching, the people at home are gonna turn you right off and we're gonna lose the contract. So please, do not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on the field. Now we're gonna pass out these affidavits and ask you to sign them, saying that you will not touch certain areas of your bodies while you're out there on a the football field, all right? So we signed them and we went out, you know, and I'm with the second team and <laughs> First team's got the ninth time for last right, Hofstra came out of the locker room. I had never seen guys so big before in my life. They had just brought 11 guys with them. Smallest guy on the squad was 6'1", 490 pounds. It was a halfback. Ran 109-1, had long teeth hanging out of his mouth. Every one of them just had one eye in the center of the forehead. The coach was beating them out onto the field with a ball and chain, hitting them smack in the back of the head. Get out of here! Go on, Igor. What's good, Igor? First team said, oh, God, don't look at him. If you don't look at him, you won't get scared. Second team went crazy. Guys are ripping their clothes off. I can't play naked! Throw some meat at him. Maybe they'll eat that. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. Our first thing we did, we run a play. There's a fire of this. Eleven Hofstra guys still standing. Eleven gentlemen out cold on the ground. So try to get the nut squad naked or not. Get out there. <laughs> we're carrying them off. And as we're carrying them off, I swear I heard one temple guy on the ground say, can we get up now? No, you move. I'll punch you right in the mouth. So help me. Get out of here. We're 
I'm all afraid of coach. All right, get out there, second team, let's go. <laughs> we got a quarterback that's 2-1. <laughs> all right, run the kamikaze play on one. All right, kamikaze. Cosby up the middle, the whole team off the field. Break. We break out of huddle, the quarterback goes up to shift. One, two, ping, gives me the ball. I take one step and I look and there's a hole. And I had never seen a hole. Playing for Temple. And I said, God, a hole. I turned to the people in the stands, look at this, a hole, you see this? I said, yeah, hurry up, run. I said, wait a minute, it may be a mirage. You can't tell. I said, well, I better get moving, I'll never forget it. It was a big hole with a defensive man on the ground. I planted one foot, stepped over him. When I did, he stood up and hit me. <laughs> and the pain was tremendous. And I threw down the ball and I said, oh. I've been hit in the, you'd better not touch any areas of your body while you're on the football here. So I grabbed my head. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program but first I want to thank all my guests what an interesting uh, and great lineup of uh, guests today we had from uh, Mount Sinai Medical School Dr. Neil Schachter talking about the new addition to his uh, long-standing book The Good Doctor's Guide to Colds and Flu and uh, talking about COVID-19 and, uh, and then a very interesting conversation with the legal counsel for ABC News and author of The Fight for Free Speech, Ian Rosenberg. And before that, the uh, Harvard chaplains and co-authors of a book called Hit Hard uh, about, their, uh, about what happened to their son, Zach, and the brain injury he sustained on a high school football field. Uh, that's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories, meaning it's uh, time for me to move it along. But we're going to talk it uh, tomorrow. We've got a great uh, lineup. We're going to talk with Chuck Collins, uh, talking about Trump's billionaire enablers. And uh, we're going to talk with, um, that's Chuck Collins. Who are we going to talk to uh, after that? Heather Hurwitz. 
uh, author of a book called Are We the 99% and a Teenage Runaway Turned Hollywood Executive. Good night, everybody. This program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.